Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. You're about to experience the other society. Prepare yourself for an independent, unscripted, and unedited conversation about the past, present, and future of the relationship between technology and humanity. Our goal is to share information and inspire action so that technology can be utilized to make our world a better place for everyone. The Other Society is not just a vision, it is a movement, and you can join it. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Marco. Sean. I'm, I'm feeling like an artificial elf. Right. Well, you know, I'm getting in the in the Halloween mood right now. So, um, <laughs> if you want to skip directly to Christmas, I'm good with that. Right. Yeah, let's go straight to Elf on the Shelf. You know, I, I was actually yeah. asking Siri this morning. I say, how, how far is uh, Christmas? They say it's Christmas every time you want it to be. So it's uh, her go. artificial intelligence. I guess she's picking up on my my wave uh, brain wave, and I don't know if that's a good thing anyway. Well, it's, it's whenever the AI tells you you want it, <laughs> which means it's whenever the, the people selling you crap tell you you want it to be. <laughs> so wait, wait. So you're saying that my artificial intelligence being hacked, that's what you're saying? Certainly biased and, and mm. written, written to uh, take advantage of you. <laughs> and I am just drinking Sometimes it. not maliciously. I'm drinking it up. Many times, yeah. There you go. You're drinking it up. Long, I guess wow, like talking about drinking, better. sounds like we're drunk here. Uh, we are so drunk. drunk. People bring are looking me back, at being, going, these guys. Bring me back on track. Attention to their guests. A couple of a-holes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Let, let's bring you back on track. So I'll, I'll let you introduce the, the publication, uh, the ELF, which is why I went with the Elf joke. Uh, European Liberal Forum. Uh, we had the honor to work with uh, Professor Luigi Martino to... Uh, to work on an article as part of the broader publication that he put out uh, recently. And uh, of course, Marco, well, certainly I don't know much about anything. And uh, I think you're right well, there. I, I remember we wrote an article and yeah. we decided to focus on uh, artificial intelligence and the relationship with cybersecurity. Yes. And uh, the, the old publication that Luigi was following was either 10 contributors or something like that, 10 article at least, some code authors like ours and some not and there was uh, everybody could pick something that to make suggestion to the european community on how we could act on cybersecurity. Uh, i guess before it's too late some people brought in space uh, security some other privacy some other like us decided to go with artificial intelligence but because we don't know much about it we talk a lot about it but we we right. we are able to do so because we have such a great network of people. So these are the people, some of them that contributed to the article here on uh, on the show today on the other society where we're going to talk loosely about that article. So I would say the topic is artificial intelligence and cybersecurity. How can they go together? How they should go together? And shot, I'll let you introduce our guest. And one has to go really quick. So, I know. Uh, so priority. I'll, I'll normally I would start with her, but I'm going to end with her. I'm going to say Matthew Rosenquist is on, who's been a guest a number of times on the show. It's great to have him back. Thanks, Matthew. 
Kevin McNish, who uh, has been on the show and is also helping to lead uh, some conversations on ethics and digital society as part of our The Other Society uh, series. And uh, great to have you on again, Kevin. And uh, both of you, thanks for the contributions. And certainly last but not least, Keenan Skelly, who contributed to this as well and is also a host of the National Blast on, uh, here on ITSP Magazine, the podcast that that uh, digs into policy. So I, I suspect you'll you'll cover some of that in the few minutes you have with us today before you uh, tell us to F off. But uh, definitely. <laughs> so fly off. That's fly off. Yes, fly off. I want to I want to quick I mean, because you, you do a lot in the area of AI and XR and it's hard to decouple these things right there's data driving all this stuff and algorithms and and certainly policy for what's appropriate from a from a privacy perspective and how do we protect people's information and it's all interconnected some of the things you're working on keenan that uh that are related to this topic of combining ai ethics with uh cyber security yeah all of them basically <laughs> i mean <laughs> aren't we all in that kind of space now <laughs> Um, yeah, but you have a, cu a couple, uh, uh, maybe not yeah. an arms long list here, but maybe a few of the things you're involved with so people can find you. Uh, so I think that, you know, of course, there's the the show on ITSP that the National Blast, which I definitely talk a lot, a lot about policy and legislation specifically for cybersecurity. But um, also, I recently uh, co-founded the XR Village, which is meant to take a look at all of the technologies, whether it be hardware or applications or platforms that are running AR, VR, XR, which I'm now grouping all of that into XR. And I even put it on the t-shirt. So it's official now. We're just going to call it all XR. Okay. I'm going to need likes on that. <laughs> so the idea there is to actually start looking at some of these privacy issues, looking at some of the technological uh, security concerns, because as somebody who has developed games in the past for teaching cybersecurity and who is very interested in doing that again, when you start looking at development of things for the metaverse, it's scary. It's really scary as a cybersecurity professional to know all of the things that are possible for developers to do right now. And the fact that there's really no reins on this whatsoever. And we're at the early stage of this kind of development where everything is still involved, right? Artificial intelligence is involved. Biometrics is involved. Tracking, you know, your eyesight is involved. What kinds of things can we really do with this is the question. And how do we make sure that there's privacy, safety, and security? And this is something that was touched on in the article also. And I think we all kind of hit on in our own way is that privacy and safety and security are really all the same thing. They go hand in hand. And that's something that I think Americans don't always remember because we haven't experienced it in world wars like Europe has and other countries. But it's still a fact, it's still a fundamental fact. So, and I, so Matthew, I want to I want to go to you because uh, what Keen is pretty much describing there is the need to think about this uh, proactively and thoughtfully before we end up in a, in a situation that we don't want, right? <laughs> so, we we talk about these things X in design, security by or X by design, security by design, privacy by design. Um, we're touching on. Uh, the broader review of ethics in in the European community and abroad uh, and around the world. 
how, how about uh, ethics by design? And I know in the article we present that we want to connect cybersecurity and ethics and privacy together. Um, how do you see that kind of coming together? Well, whether we want to acknowledge it or not, they're already interwoven together. When you look at the realm of cybersecurity, and that's the security, the privacy, and the safety of things that are being developed, there's a certain ethical responsibility because the technology, the digital technology, the tools and services and devices that we use are becoming not only pervasive, but incredibly powerful. Um, you know, we talk about the data that it collects, yes, but it's also the influence that it has, especially on Marco, right? I mean, his, his Alexa can tell him, <laughs> you know, when to get up and walk the dog, and I'm sure he would do it. Uh, you know, it's also controlling, controlling things such as our critical infrastructure, the delivery of food to grocery stores, our power, our oil, you know, things that we buy at the store, things that we need, our healthcare, our defense, our government. So as technology becomes more pervasive and more powerful, it can be used. It's simply a tool, but it can be used for really good things, which we want it to, but it can also be used for really bad things. And when we talk about ethics by design, you know, we're only talking about half of the story there, right? Because developers are designing that next tool or service or capability to do some cool functionality. And yes, if you have ethics by design, you're trying to make it ethical in what they're designing it to do, but it's not taking into account those brilliant communities that will take that whatever it is and misuse it, use it for other purposes, use it for malicious and personal gain and everything else to the harm of others. And oh, me. Really think I, about gotta, I raise my hand. I raise my hand. <laughs> go, go, go. So I, I totally agree that, you know, everybody that makes technology wants to make the world a better place, right? You know, when Einstein was theorizing about the nuclear um, bomb that would give the whole world energy, at some point he got to the point where he was like, dude, this could be bad. Like, this could really be bad. Like, this could be used in a bad way. And he went to the president and he said, look, 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 um, this is going to be bad for everybody. I think we need to just shut it down. Now, obviously, we didn't shut it down and we continued on with that. And we saw the effects of how that happened. But there were people who were building it who knew. And I think in cybersecurity, we don't give cybersecurity developers enough credit anymore, right? I mean, they, they're being hacked constantly. Their stuff is all out on the internet because they get hacked all the time. Like they're concerned about their security, <laughs> even if it's for themselves or for their company. So I think we have to have some kind of built in piece to that where when you mm -hmm. learn to develop technology, you learn to be able to spot if something's going to be harmful and what you can do to help mitigate that. You have to have that adversarial mindset. And unfortunately, a lot of developers and engineers don't, right? A, an engineer's mindset is how do I solve problem A? How do I get from one side of the canyon to the other? It's not, how do I use that to do something really, really bad? And that's that adversarial perspective that we need to get more entrenched. And that's where things like safety and privacy and security and digital ethics, that's where that begins to blossom. Because it's those actors that are looking to do bad things that's where you start building those guardrails of safety and privacy and ethics and everything in to corral them. I would challenge that's where you start because I think I, I think you you did say this earlier, Matthew. You did that 
ethics by design is, is really important in the first place before you start looking at intended and unintended consequences. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really crucial while you're designing the apps, while you're designing the software, whatever in the process, to be asking the questions that designers typically don't ask because they've not been trained to. They've not been right. trained to think in those ways. And I think it's, it's a major challenge that, you know, that, that just isn't in the mindset. As you say, it's a matter of coming in, seeing a problem, solving the problem. Uh, but that problem is defined in very, very narrow focus. Um, what's needed, I think, is to broaden the focus out about what makes a good product. So a good product isn't simply a product which does what you know, is nominally required of it. A, a good car isn't simply a car that gets you from A to B. It's a car that gets you from A to B safely. It's a car that gets you from A to B without driving onto the, onto the sidewalk and killing people. You know, and, and you need to be thinking about all of those issues while you're in the design process. But absolutely, part of it needs to be what are going to be the unintended consequences of this, even when it's used deliberately, let alone when it's used maliciously. <laughs> She's yeah, going to burst over here. No, I know. Hands up. <laughs> hands up. Hello. Hands up. Hands up. Hands up. I have to jump. Um, but I wanted to say in my closing, you know, argument here is that that's why every single product team in the world should hire hackers, hire hackers, hire gamers, hire those two things, and maybe a lawyer to make sure that you don't go to jail because of either of them. And security to watch the hackers. Yes, yes. <laughs> this is how we think. We look at things and say, okay, how do I break this? How do I make it do this? Oh, it has this protocol. I could totally use that to go in here. That's why the world needs hackers. That's why the world needs gamers, and unfortunately, also players. And, and don't don't forget to add somebody that tells you what you're doing may be a little bad. So you want an ethicist <laughs> there as well. listen, yes, we we know you, you have to go. So when you do, uh, you're promising you're coming back to follow more on this conversation. Cool. Most Thank you for right. stopping by. We appreciate that. All right, so, bye, yeah, Kevin, I want to go back to you because it's kind of like connecting to other conversation which I recently had. And <laughs> and I'm like, you know, I, I like to be sarcastic some way, but I wonder, are human design, do they have human ethic by design in our, in our brain? You know, because <laughs> you would think it would be normal. You're designing something as, a, as an architect, as, a, as a, an engineer, as a developer. Shouldn't it be the first thing that come in your mind? Like, am I bombing things here? Am I creating something a little yeah. too dangerous or not? I mean, it's well, philosophical. Again, I think, yeah, I think I think there are, again. I think Matthew, you know, drew out a really good point about there's the there's the unintended consequences of something which can happen where somebody comes along and maliciously takes it and misuses it. But there's also the stuff where you're just simply not thinking along the mm. right lines that can protect people along the, along the way. If I give you an example about playgrounds, right? Back after the, after the Second World War in the UK, there were a lot of bomb sites, understandably. And people noticed that kids, particularly in inner cities, were playing in the bomb sites, were playing in, in these massive craters. And sometimes, sometimes there was unexploded ordnance there. Uh, and so they figured, okay, we've got to go and sort this out. So all the engineers that have been working on planes during the war went and built play parks. But they were thinking about rough and tumble, kids going out there, mucky about. Safety wasn't a concern. 
or at least if it was, it was a very minor concern. It wasn't high up on the agenda. And it was only by the late 70s that we started in the UK, started to address the fact that there were um, implements in most playgrounds in the UK that were killing a number of children every year and nobody was dealing with it. And so that finally started to be addressed. The development of the automobile, very, very similar. Originally, cars were developed um, with a fairly basic approach. And it's only with time that safety belts and side impact protection and you know, bumpers and things like that were all added to the car. So if you're not thinking in that way in the first place, then you're not going to be addressing those problems because quite often you just get excited by the solution that you're developing. And th this draws me to, uh, we've probably added, I don't know how many items to the list of things that people need to ask <laughs> when they're building a product, right? I mean, we didn't even get into ESG, social governance and the planet and climate change. And, <laughs> and I don't know, you can, the list can go on and on and on. And that's kind of my point is that what, what takes priority? Is there a line? Um, Keenan made the point that somebody raised a flag that said, so somebody thought about it, asked a question, answered the question, presented the answer, said, this is bad, yet we still went through with it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm wondering how, I mean, it's, it's a tough problem to solve. And I don't know, Matthew, if you have any ideas on this, just how do we, as businesses, let's talk from the business perspective now, how do we juggle that never-ending list of things we need to consider with bringing something to market where we know if, if we're late, somebody else is going to do it, uh, perhaps unethically, and then we lose. We were going to bring it ethically, but they brought it unethically before us, and we don't have the market share now to do it ethically because somebody else did it. That's the struggle that we deal with in cybersecurity all the time, right? We have to find that right balance in finding the optimal level of security because there's always costs, there's friction, you know, there, there's some good things as well we bring to the table, but it's finding that business balance. And if the conversation isn't had, you're lost, right? There's going to be ugly surprises down the road. If a conversation does emerge, here are good things, here are bad things, what are the trade-offs, where do we need to be? That typically, typically is an executive decision. And we would hope, we would hope, and we find in most cases, the financial incentives eventually benefit the consumer. Okay, so if you're going to design a car and you're designing whether you want to spend the time and the effort to design seat belts, and you decide, nope, it's going to cost too long, it's going to delay my, my product out the door, I'm just not going to do it, and yet the rest of the industry is, you're probably going to suffer in the end. And as we saw with seatbelts and airbags and <clears throat> oh, brakes, the first cars didn't have brakes, by the way, you know, little things like that, um, it benefited the consumer. Now, there are situations that it doesn't. Uh, privacy, for example, we saw when it came to digital privacy, there really wasn't a financial incentive that was good enough to keep companies from harvesting data, hiding it telling people or just not telling people when they lost it, things of that sort. And it actually required regulation to come in to mandate, um, to offset the financial incentives that were just absent. So we've got lots of situations, but as Kevin talked about, you have to have the conversation first. If you're not even having the right people in the room that can make the decision and follow through on it, 
then it doesn't matter. And I'll tell you, you could have the greatest open-minded engineers in the world and that want to talk about security. But if their management and their executive management say, no, don't worry about that. We'll take care of security after we release it. We're not going to fund it. We don't want you to meet with security. We don't want to have the conversation. It's a waste of time. We have to get it to market. That's the most important thing. Bolt on security afterwards. Oh, sure, we'll take care of that. It doesn't matter how forward thinking the engineers are. You're not going to get in there, right? Good things are not going to happen. So we have to have good developers that are open-minded. We have to have supporting management. And hopefully, hopefully, we've got an economic system of consumers that will prioritize it with their wallets, right, their pocketbooks, so that the financial incentives align to do the right things. I find very difficult, sorry, just to jump in, the, the, the consumer are going to be the one making the decision at the beginning, simply because... I'm not sure they understand where we're going, especially bringing it back to artificial intelligence. It's become like this buzzword is everywhere in every product, especially in cybersecurity. We make fun of that all the time, but there are incredible promises. And that's why, and Kevin, I'm gonna go back to you with this, like a lot of countries have been developing documents about the ethics in artificial intelligence. And one of the points that we make in the article was that, yeah, that's great, but you're kind of lacking the connection with cybersecurity and, and you need that connection yeah. between cybersecurity and ethics at the same time. Because the yeah. point is, what if it's too late? What if we're already deciding a lot of things without that in mind. So let's reconnect to that essential part of the article. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you have to have them both in there by design throughout. I mean, a, a system which isn't secure is not is not an ethical system. I see security as being an ethical aspect. So to, to me, it sort of all falls under the big, that, that larger umbrella. But I, I think that when you do, you know, to go back to that, that fear that somebody might be being unethical and therefore steal a march on you and steal market share. I think experience shows that in the medium to long term, that doesn't work. Yes, it might help you for a few years. And you can think about something like the VW emission scandal here, that you can act unethically to try and steal a march on other people. But when you are found out, the cost of it is usually far greater to you than, it, than the benefits which you received. I think VW estimate that they lost about 38 billion as a result of the emission scandal. Uh, it's a huge amount for, for them to suffer through that. And so I think there's an inevitable problem which happens when you are not ethically conscious, and I include security within that, that says that when people recognize that that's been the case, um, and, and one of the nice things with all these AI ethics you know, codes of conduct that are coming out is that there is this general agreement about what we're talking about now, that when people say, oh, well, you weren't respecting your privacy, you weren't respecting security or robustness, then your product will suffer and other people will fill in that space who have taken the time to be ethical. So I, I, I strongly believe that over time, the ethical approach, the secure approach will win out. The question is, what's the cost in the meantime for all the poor people who suffer using the poorly, um, the, the, the system which isn't secured. 50 bucks. <laughs> yeah, 50 bucks. 
<laughs> if that's it, if that's it, they're pretty fortunate. Yeah, that's all. Hold on, let me write a check. <laughs> or, or, the, or the cost for the few people that at the beginning were driving cars without brake. Precisely. Or those that bought the Ford Pinto, you know, back in the 70s. Ooh, they that's so, true. Uh, you know, that's uh, there, there are some se- there can be some serious costs out there. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, in the UK, with the cyber security attack we had with WannaCry, which took down the NHS, the, the British health system, took it down for several weeks. And that was running hospitals and administration for patients and so on. I mean, the lives were at stake. Yeah, one of the things that ethics and privacy and cybersecurity and, and, and so forth all have in common from the consumer perspective and those companies that service the consumer perspective, it goes back to you know the first axiom of cybersecurity, where cybersecurity isn't relevant until it fails. And a lot of times the consumers really won't care until they feel the pain. And then, of course, they're up in arms, you know, how dare you allow this to happen and, and so forth. But it tends not to be relevant. And social media is probably the best example that, mm-hmm. that we have. People were flooding social media with all their private information, even their social security cards and, and, and national ID numbers and everything else, birth dates. And it really didn't matter to them all that much until the ones started getting victimized and the ones that were getting victimized, their credit cards stolen, their identities stolen, loans were being created in their names, uh, you know, all these kinds of things. That's when you started to have people go, whoa, whoa, I don't like this. And privacy became marketable. Privacy and security then became meaningful and a competitive advantage. And we're not all the way there. There's still a lot of suffering, unfortunately, to go before we've got mass adoption and everybody raises their hands and go, yes, we need security. We need privacy. We need safety. We need ethics. Yes, yes, yes. We're still traveling down that road and there's a long way to go, but we're on that road. And that, unfortunately, in my mind, is what it takes. Because even though Volvo, you know, as an example, got penalized, they're a massive company and they've gotten to be a massive company during the time. And the amount of profits that they had during the time, the, the, you know, the years, decades of that scandal probably is larger than the penalties they're going to pay. If we look at Facebook, who arguably has not managed data in an ethical way from the beginning, <clears throat> one of the largest companies in existence. So even if they changed tomorrow and became 100% ethical, look what they've achieved by being unethical. Mm-hmm. So there is an advantage and companies aren't lost on that fact. Executives are not lost on that fact. I'd rather be Facebook size and slap with ethics and have to worry about that than be remain a small company that's been ethical all the time. If profit is key, We've got some issues, but again, that's an ethical issue, right? When you put profit, <laughs> profit above, uh, you know, the good and, and, and yourself. That's where it comes back to your point about the regulation. Then, as you say, if the consumer will is not going to be sufficient, and this was the case again with the VW scandal, that if the consumer response isn't sufficient, then there needs to be regulation to follow up. And I think you, you hit it spot on, Matthew, with talking about yeah you know, the impact of GDPR. 
that nobody was taking data protection seriously until I was about to say till 2016. They weren't. It was even it was it was sort of midway through 2018, maybe even 2019 when the fine started. That people then said, "Yeah, maybe we need to start thinking about this a little more carefully." And that's and in that, Europe. We're, we're still not even there in the U.S. <laughs> we haven't even started that. So. Oh, you got the CCPA. You're going down the right route at least. Yes, yeah, California, <laughs> the only state that actually has privacy listed as a right. The only state right. out of 50. Yeah. One out of 50. Yeah. We're getting there. Which, who's <laughs> right? Who's right? <laughs> I'm not going to mess with that one. Um, <laughs> so I want to go to maybe kind of bringing this home or to not home to, to a point for our listeners and viewers to really understand what, what the possibilities are in the article. Uh, I think we cover a few different things like, um, yeah, is it so there's I guess with AI for me the, the, the main point is to bring decision making to bear at scale, right? So we, we we can only do so much as humans. So we use AI to help us analyze information to make better decisions or or uh, take certain situations and perhaps steer steer things a different direction. And sometimes the algorithms might get it right. Sometimes they might get it wrong. Sometimes they might be biased. Um, so I guess one thing we point to is the algorithm could be compromised, right? Either with bad data or uh, some injectable bits or code that, that, that changes how the algorithm does what it does and the outcome that it makes. Uh, the systems that it runs on could be compromised. So they could become unavailable or lack integrity, right? And the data that they're hosting could also become available or lack integrity. Then um, there's kind of the flip side, which is that AI could be used to fight. Bad AI could be used to fight good AI. So um, kind of getting in the way of the AI doing what it should and perhaps criminals using AI, maybe a fourth one, criminals using AI to scale their own yeah. <laughs> offenses uh, against good things or otherwise. So uh, I don't know if either of you have any, maybe Kevin, start with you, an example of where that might come home to roost for some folks sitting at home or sitting at work. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Which of the four? Because <laughs> any, any yeah, of them. Anyway, I mean, because it's, it's the thing we said earlier, you know, AI is so, or, or at least the, the phrase AI is so ubiquitous now, but it does impact us in so many ways through um, through our various home assistant apps. And I, I won't mention any names because about three units will spring into life in my study if I do. Um, but, you know, if any of those were compromised, the impact that would have to be able to turn on a microphone remotely um, or through my reliance on... Uh, a machine learning system which Im influences my satnav system, for example, something like that. Uh, if that were poisoned and that were impacted, you look at the number of people that follow bad advice on satnav systems. <laughs> um, and yet, if there was some attack or some compromise on that, then that could be huge again as to how people drive, how they act, and so on. There are all, all sorts of, I mean, basically, you just think about any area in which AI is being used and influencing our lives at the moment and then think what that would look like were it compromised. And I, don't, I don't remember what country it was in, but I saw an article and I, I can't validate, I can't verify if it's true or not, but 
an app was used to hail a bunch of cabs or or shared rides. It was a Moscow. Okay. Um, Basically pulling a bunch of drivers into the same spot at the same time. Uh, I don't know if that was a a compromise of of an algorithm or just the compromise of of, uh, your use of use of uh, scale at some way. Um, but I guess to me, that's, yeah. that's an example of do that on, on a, on a even bigger scale and things can get really hairy real quickly. So somebody in London recently got uh, a whole load of smartphones and dialed into a, a sat nav for a, a, a route finding app, uh, a very popular one, um, put them all into a trolley and then just push the trolley really slowly down this London street which then registered that there was a huge traffic jam and then started rerouting everybody all across the city other than this one street, just because this guy was just pushing it really slowly. <laughs> it's a very analog form of attack, but it's a very effective one. Well, that brings me back to one of our very first conversations, Marco, where we, and this really brings it back to the ethics as well. Remember our conversation around autonomous vehicles and if, mm-hmm. if one is investing a lot in advertisement on a platform that also controls the, the traffic maps and, and and if you are a premium member maybe you get a better route than somebody that's that right and there's no pay in the premium to get you're not the... paying the premium live in a neighborhood that, that isn't paying yeah. a premium you, you get yeah. all the traffic through your neighborhood because uh, i remember that i remember yeah. that now th- these are all example and i want to go with with matthew because i remember the last conversation we had was some prediction that you had for 2022 and and way behind it ai attack was one of that i remember clearly that so i want to go there but the point is i want to make is the scale of risk that we have with artificial intelligence it may not be you know many people think artificial intelligence think like you know the terminator the robot that is going to invade us and rebel to our system and so forth but the truth is that they're all more sneaky and it's a, a, a scale risk, right? I mean, Matthew, you, you, I remember you were talking about an attack that can be multiplied to infinite and therefore being a number game, it'll be successful. So yeah, tell yeah, us about absolutely. that part there. Well, <clears throat> you know, we're, we're, we're talking about fairly benign attacks mm-hmm. and it, it really comes down to how much we use and where we use AI. AI is used to determine, you know, nowadays whether you're going to get a loan or a credit card or what percentage you're going to pay on a credit card, uh, whether you're going to buy a house. We're using AI now to determine what candidates out of the candidate pool will actually get interviews, right? Who's going to be in there? Um, You know, things like that. That can be pretty impactful for an individual or community even. You know, you talked about, um, uh, you know, manipulating the, the traffic maps. And we've actually seen communities who don't like traffic coming through their their neighborhood modify that data to where (laughs) cars are rerouted around their neighborhood and they don't have to worry. They can let their kids play. Okay, you know, that's that's not too harmful per se. It may be inconvenient for some drivers, but not too bad. But on the other end of the scale, when we look at autonomous vehicles, cars, buses, planes, trains, ships... And if I can scale an attack for every Tesla or every um, you know, AI-controlled Volvo or Volkswagen, right? And a lot of these cars are now being controlled or have controls in them. I can hack them. 
maybe I can take 10 Teslas and at two o'clock on a Thursday afternoon in rush hour, I accelerate them and turn them into oncoming traffic. If I can do it for 10, I can do it for 100. If I can do yeah. it for 100, I could probably hit an entire city. If I hit an entire city, I can probably hit an entire region. And if I can hit an entire region, eh, let's shoot for the world. Well, wait a second. When you've got planes becoming big lawn darts at the end of fields, when you've got ships crashing into each other at high seas when they shouldn't, right? When you've got trains hitting into each other, cars crashing, wait a second, right? That's not benign anymore. That's not hmm. an inconvenience. And yet the benefits of AI allow us to be more efficient and effective in the transportation sector, also the energy sector and food distribution sector and the way farmers are plowing their fields and the way medicine companies are creating and manufacturing drugs. Hmm. Now we start looking at the compounding risks in every aspect of our life, not just whether you're going to get that loan or job, not whether you're going to be redirected around a neighborhood that wants more privacy, but these are tipping point ideas that can cause life safety. You, your family, your neighborhood, your society, maybe your country, right? That's when the escalation begins to occur. And we want to address it before those really, really bad things happen. But I guarantee you, each one of those things, as horrific as it sounds, is power. And there are many people out there that seek power. So they will be pursued. It is human nature that they will be pursued. So I don't mean to be a downer or anything, but we have to look at the entire. <laughs> not, not, not at all. I'm like, no, not at all. I'm, 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 I'm a happy guy. I'm a happy upper, uh, upbeat guy. You know, so I advocate look at all of the risks. Let's not yeah. focus on only the super bad ones. There are a whole bunch of benign ones too that, that play in. But let's look at the entire spectrum because what we have to do is we talked about before. We have to find that optimal risk that we're okay with based on the costs and the benefits and the friction and the security and, and all of that. We find the right target and it may be moving, right? But we find the right target and that's what we pursue. But in order to do that, we have to do what Kevin said. We have to have the conversations. We have to have paranoid people like me in there to say what's really bad, as well as other people to, to, to give the entire spectrum. And let's have that open conversation. Let's talk about what's right and what we need to do for everyone. Yeah, I like that. And I'm, I'm going to put the spot on, on Kevin here. Uh, hopefully not too difficult uh, for you. <laughs> <laughs> not, not necessarily the answer to the, to the big problem, but uh, what, how, do we, uh, how do we have those conversations? I guess is really where I really want to go because uh, we, we tend to compartmentalize things. So if mm -hmm. we're asking questions around ethics then there's a team of ethicists and people interested in that they come together and they talk about it and they present something then there's cybersecurity, which may or may not be separate from risk right <laughs> which may or may not be separate from privacy which may or may not be separate from uh, r d and the business uh, value we're going to create and the markets we're going to uh, penetrate and grow in uh, so my question is how because the whole point of this article is if you're talking about ethics, 
you should also be talking about cybersecurity specifically. Mm -hmm. That's that's what we're presenting in this article. How how do we change? Assuming businesses are talking about ethics, how do we change that conversation to include cybersecurity? Um, does it ha does it come together at the point of risk? Is that a common common term or viewpoint that that folks can look at between the two or I don't know. How, how do we bring them together in a meaningful way? I, th I think risk is certainly a good starting point. And, and as Matthew was saying, thinking about risk tolerance thresholds, how much risk are you prepared to experience? How much risk are you prepared to put up with, whether that's financial or whether that's in terms of life? If you're a, a government running a, a public, um, public transportation network or something like that, at some point you have to have the cutoff. And I think the question is, what are the elements that go into that risk matrix? Is it just money or is it just money and safety or is it money, safety, privacy? And then you can sort of add out from that and add those ethical questions into that. But I think the broader question that you were you, you were getting at there, Sean, is that question of how do we how do we get everybody to that table? How do we have that conversation without this sort of siloed approach where we have the experts in their own respective fields? And I think yeah, there's obviously a large education piece to that, which I think will change, hopefully will change generationally. Uh, so for our generation looking at, um, at cars, we wouldn't, you know, we would be shocked to find a car that didn't have a safety belt in it. But my grandparents, wouldn't be that shocked by it. Uh, we come to assume these things as normal. And so I think there's a, a long-term response. The challenge is what do we do in the meantime? What do we do in the intervening 20 years before that generation enters the marketplace with those expectations? And I can, think can there's I, a big challenge in, in bringing that, that sense of responsibility out there. Uh, I want to ask this question. It may seem silly, um, but I'm not in those conversations, so I don't know. So I'm going to ask it. When, when ethics are being discussed, I'm, I'm assuming there's a formal discussion around, are we doing things ethically? Maybe, maybe it doesn't happen in every organization. Yeah. But we, we kind of described it in the beginning as asking a set of questions. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering, is that really the case? Or is it presented and discussed as a, here's what we want? So a, a definition of the line we want to hold and achieve, which then... The counter to that is how do we ensure that we meet or stay on the other side of, of that line or hit that point? Um, is, is it more like that or is it or is it really both sides saying things can get really crazy uh, how, and both both entities kind of looking at how to how to hold the line? Well, I, I think there's a very clear, you know, a starting point is always going to be this is where we're going. This is what we want. Um, and then for those companies that are having the conversation, it then raises, how do we do this ethically? How do we do this correctly? And and, and along with that, hopefully, the, the, is, is this an ethical direction to pursue in the first place? Um, and then one, once you've had that question of, is this, you know, how do we do this ethically? That's when you start looking at the development process, the implementation process. Um, and say, okay, what are what are the issues in order to achieve this ethically? What are the risks? What are the consequences if we don't do it ethically? Uh, and again, it's making those payoff decisions that are going to be made throughout that process. Um, but again, I come back to the point, if we're not having that conversation, then 
those decisions are being made, they're just being made implicitly. They're being made without anybody really thinking it through. And so, and that's where you get into these ridiculous cases where you get very, very biased AIs because nobody has asked the question about what if, you know, how, how do we develop this ethically? We develop it in such a way that it's not gonna bias against a certain group of people. And if nobody asks that question, implicitly it probably will be biased against a certain group of people. Yeah, because I go back this to is the, actually, the sorry, heart. Sean. Yeah, go for it. No, no, I was doing that because I just remember that this was part of what we, we put in the article and it came out that compared with other technology, artificial intelligence is really human. I'm not saying all the others are not human. We, we are the one that imagine, develop and create technology. But I mean, the, the, the artificial intelligence in particular, it is feeding on what we feed as what we believe is intelligence, right? All the all the information, it comes from us. So if you ask Dr. Evil, <laughs> he's going to tell you what is good for him. It's, uh, it may be a little bit different than what yeah. is good for everyone else. But then the question for me is, Matthew, where, where do we apply cybersecurity in artificial intelligence? It's not a firewall. It's not a, a filter for spam and email. I mean, where, where does it go? It's such a, I don't know, such non-concrete technology. It's got to start at the design phase, at that innovation moment. And again, I, I work with a lot of companies and a lot of clients and so forth, and they're in the midst of developing amazing, mind-blowing things. Um, and they often ask themselves and focus, blinders, can we do this? Can, can we make this happen? Can we code it? Can we make it functional? And yet they don't ask, should we do this? So if you had a car manufacturer, right? And cars are filled with sensors, not only for road sensors, but also internal sensors and everything else. And if the executives go, you know what? If we knew how many people were in the car and who was in the car and where they were going and how often they go there and all that, we could make the experience better, right? Which makes our brand more valuable and we can sell this car for more. So if, you know, can, can we capture the biometrics of everybody in the car? Can we track every time it goes somewhere and, and how often it's at McDonald's and how often it's at this shopping center and which parking spot they like to go most? And, you know, you, you start gathering all this. Well, yeah, we could do that. We could do that. Great. We could make the interface better. We could customize it whenever somebody gets in a car. We could sell, you know, uh, sell it to ad companies for McDonald's as they drive by or making that route. Send them coupons. Our customers love coupons. Right. And but we're going to harvest all this data and we're going to sell it. OK, it's technically possible. The engineers will go, yes, we can do that. But you need somebody in the room to go, great. Should we do that? Are you going to be tracking when people go visit their mistress and wives are going to be looking at this? Are you going to be tracking biometrics of children and tracking all sorts of different things, right? Are you going to be basing decisions based on race or religion? What church does it pull up to, right? What country are they from? Are there immigrants in the car? You know what? I think there's some government agencies that would really like to know if there's immigrants in cars. Okay, time out. Well, yeah, we just wanted to make our vehicle a better experience. Yes, yes, you did. 
But now you have to ask. We need to pull in the other aspects to say, is this really what should happen? Well, I so, got you guys all quiet. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I, I know Sean that wants to get in. That doesn't happen very often. Sean yeah. and Marco, come no, on. No, no, no. I got, I got, I got something. I got something here in my sleeves. Now, your answer for being you being a technologist and a cybersecurity expert, also I know a very deep thinking person, so that's why you're here with us. But your answer was all about all about ethics it wasn't you you answered to a question that I asked you about what do we do from a cybersecurity perspective and you answer me with ethics and no, i love no. that it's all tied together yeah no i, I know about I, love ethics. That. I talked about privacy right i talked about security because even if you do do this and go oh we'll just make it secure nobody can steal that data well yeah probably not true right so if you are going to do this let's lock the data down Let's make sure it can't get stolen. You can't use it. We've got internal controls that marketing can't come in on a Tuesday night, grab the database and go sell it, right? I mean, there's got to be security around it. What about if somebody then modifies the transactions that's going back as you're tracking the car, feeding it into the GPS, you're going to drive them into a field, right? Okay. They want to go to McDonald's and suddenly they show up at Burger King. Well, I guess I'm here anyway. Sure. I mean, you know, if Alexa told you, Marco, you don't want McDonald's today, you really want Burger King, guess what? where Marco's going, right? His Alexa told him to do that. <laughs> In and, out. and that's where the car drove him, apparently. <laughs> I think the thing is, Marco, is that is you just need to accept it's all about ethics. You can't escape. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm all about that. Basically, whenever, whenever technology impacts on people or society or the environment, then there's an ethical aspect to it. And if technology doesn't impact on people, society, or the environment, what's it doing? You know, no, nobody would develop <laughs> Nothing? <laughs> it hasn't been turned on yet. <laughs> so, so, Should so we do it? it? It's implicit to all technology and all technological development. <laughs> and that's exactly the question about ethics is just because we can do it, Matthew, mm -hmm. should we? Mm -hmm. And that's that's where the ethics come in. Yeah. Sean. Uh, well, I had a fun, bun bunch of different places on the go, but I'm going to go here instead. I picked a different place. Just, Burger King. Because we're getting you know, in and out for me too. Uh, so, I, yeah. Uh, when we, Matthew, the exam couple of examples you gave to me, you started to move off the, the uh, confidentiality piece a little bit. Uh, but, I think generally when people think cybersecurity, they, especially people at home, they think privacy, which then means confidentiality. And there, there are other elements to cybersecurity uh, in addition to confidentiality. And you, you briefly touched on the integrity piece. If a transaction is manipulated or the data is manipulated or the algorithm is manipulated, uh, that can impact positively or negatively, uh, the outcome of the decision the AI is driving, which could impact society. The other is availability. And even so denial of service or the data gets taken offline or uh, not all of the data is there, so you're getting a partial picture. The, that aspect can also change things, which if you wrap those all together and things are making decisions for us, boils down to trust for me. 
So how how do we trust the systems that are being developed? Is because the engineers say you trust me, right? So you trust my stuff. Are there ways to validate it? Um, so the slightly different angle here. I don't know that we touched too much of it on in the article, but just kind of what's the overarching or overview of auditing <laughs> this stuff? Do we see any movement in that direction for, even if there are no policies or clear guidance uh, or laws, uh, do we have ways to, validate or test the level of trust in these things is there is there enough visibility there's not an easy way there's always some type of test that can be done or derived but typically it's at such a granular level that it's not like you i or consumer can do it at the consumer level trust is best related towards brand right and some of the very smart companies out there are working that angle apple for example if you look at their ads, right, they're not talking performance of their chip or number of colors. Or They've been talking about privacy. They've been talking about their ecosystem. Trust us with your data. We're going to protect it better than our competitors. And that non-traditional competitive advantage is helping them. Mm -hmm. So this is where it gets back into are the financial incentives there? So it's a long road to get to that point. And one thing we haven't talked about is that investment by management of that company. Let's say that car company, again, thinking, can we do this? Having the right discussion. If you go in, no, it's all bad, it's all bad. They're thinking, somebody tells me it's all bad and marketing says we're going to get this much revenue. Hmm, which one am I going to do? And, you know, the people, you know, if I, if I just go in and, and say bad things all day, I'm not going to be invited to the next meeting. I guarantee it. So it's a matter of shifting the viewpoint and having a constructive conversation, which means you talk about the risks, but you also talk about the opportunities. Hey, wouldn't you like that non-traditional competitive advantage that Apple has? Well, guess what? Look at Volvo. Volvo makes the most secure cars in the world, right? They built their company with that idea of safety. Right? How can security, privacy, safety, and ethics help your company, your products, differentiate itself, bring in more revenue, increase market share, increase margin, raise average selling price? Because it can do all of those things. I go into a meeting like that, and now I've got the interest. I've got the interest of the parties there. But it takes the company to make the right decisions and invest in them, and then that eventually manifests into the goodness of the end users downstream. But it's not something we normally do. Unfortunately, people in my organization, in my industry, we talk about the bad things first. I'm going to tell you about all the scary things. These are all the nightmares. When in fact, we need to have that balanced approach yep. in showing the risks and the opportunities. Yeah, and I, I see a, an opportunity here for cybersecurity perhaps to ride the coattails of, of ethics, right? Get, get in there on those conversations. Because to me, it sounds like in the two examples we just covered, Apple and, and Volvo, those were ethically driven visions that uh, creates a set of values that those companies uh, live and breathe by, right? And therefore, their 
their R and D and their operations and perhaps everything else kind of follows those, those values and then creates a product that, that uh, also follows or yeah, meets those values. So is it, is there an opportunity here for cybersecurity to kind of attach itself to that? We all started. Everybody here started by saying all the experts said it's all integrated. When you look at privacy, you look at ethics, you look at security, you look at safety, it's all interwoven. In fact, I would argue you can't tease them apart. They come as a package deal. So, yes, we're all together. We all win together in a question is we lose together. Okay, maybe the better question is, are companies just not doing things ethically. They're not asking the questions because they're very far and few between the number of companies that present themselves like the two examples we just provided, right? Which either tells me that stuff's not bubbling up, it's not important, or companies just aren't doing it. I don't think the decisions are being made, right? I don't think the conversations are being had because you don't have the experts in there to be able to make those discussions meaningful, Right. If you bring Kevin in and and have Kevin talk to your C-suite and your board, now you're raising the level of awareness around ethics. Right. And maybe even a, a, a smidgen of privacy and security and everything else, because, again, they're all tied together. And maybe they bring someone like me in and I'm going to focus on security, but I'm also talking about ethics and privacy and everything else. And now you start getting an up leveling. But to be honest, the industry had moved so fast and goes after the dollar signs so quickly, right? Give me the the minimum viable product and get it out there, right? So fast that we're not having the conversations and you need the experts, you need them at the level where they're getting the attention at the right time, the right time Mm -hmm. with the executives to push the narrative forward, to have the conversations and evolve the company into one that's ethical. And, you know, I, I just want to finish at least my last comment is at this point talking branding in a way. And I may question if uh, ultimately do I know if Volvo or Apple or any other company, did it really start the conversation with ethics or did it start it with saying, hmm, maybe we can go that route where also look like we're doing the ethical thing, which is great. I mean, honestly, I don't care where it comes from, but it means that the time has changed for the consumer to appreciate that. There is another company that just happened and and, and has nothing to do with technology. Well, it's still technology, but they make clothing, sports. You know, it's a Patagonia. Just a week ago in the news, the, the founder of Patagonia said, screw this, I'm going to open a foundation. I'm happy with what we're making and all the money that we make on top of paying people is going to go to a foundation that is going to put money to the environment. And that company, let's be honest, has always been created because of a true inspiration for the environment. So in that case, it's true. But at the end of the the day, look, if you're going to make first your business decision, but you're doing good for humanity, I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. You gotta make money. You gotta pay the bills, right? So, uh, with artificial intelligence and ethics, I think the lesson is a little bit bigger than that because I think it's allowing us to to look inside ourselves. Because as we develop artificial intelligence, we we look at who we are. I mean, why do we call it artificial intelligence anyway? Some people say it's not artificial and it's not intelligent. I heard those. 
Um, but the point is, it's a way to look at who we are, our society, and I don't know, Kevin, really to, to use some common sense. Isn't ethics maybe <laughs> common sense? Well, yeah, I mean, it's one which I have been asking my students for quite a long time as to why we would want to create artificial general intelligence. Mm. Uh, you know, right now, artificial specific or narrow artificial intelligence, fine, we've got that. It, it's it's already throwing up enough problems, let's put it that way, <laughs> as we've been talking about. Um, but also, as Matthew listed, some tremendous benefits that are coming down the line. But when I've challenged them and said, why do we want artificial general intelligence? Why do we want to have an AI that would be self-aware? When after all, the original meaning of the word robot meant slave you know what we're basically creating with ai systems and robotics ultimately and they will be coming together more and more is that we want things to do the dull dirty dangerous work that we don't want to do ourselves i don't want my rumba to be self-aware i don't want to have to think about the human rights of my car okay that's not why i want it to be intelligent in any sort of way so i think and I think in that it does then cause us to question what it means to be human and what it means to differ between a human and a machine and what we're trying to achieve here by all of this. And once more, we come back again to Matthew's point, just because we can do it doesn't mean we should do it. And, and we don't have to go down the whole Skynet Terminator dystopian future in order to think this is a bad idea. We just have to think, why, why are we, what, what is the benefit to society of, creating a self-aware machine um what, what what are we really trying to achieve here and i i, I leave that as an open question because i'm still yet to be convinced that there is a benefit to it it's 60 bucks ten dollars more than, uh, than <laughs> if that's the only benefit to an agi then i think a lot of people need to stop developing it now <laughs> that's right uh, and i'm gonna i'm gonna take this opportunity i mean we've we've been on uh for an hour, I knew this was going to go long, and uh, I'm happy we had this conversation. Not the end, of course. Um, we have many on the topic of digital ethics. Uh, Kevin is helping to lead the charge on a number of those conversations. Uh, this will be included as part of that in the other society. I, I want to kind of close because this is driven, this particular conversation, driven by the uh, European Liberal Forum article that uh, Barkle and I wrote that uh, Matthew and Kevin and others contributed to. And in there, we have some recommendations and we cover some, some of the things that already exist. I'm going to go back to your point, Matthew, about the, the minimal viable product, the MVP. Um, this can be a difficult task, right? Looking at ethics and combining and bringing in cybersecurity and having that conversation in a meaningful way, where you actually do something with the output of it. <laughs> um, don't try to boil the ocean with that. Uh, you, follow the MVP rule for this as well. Uh, there are frameworks and standards and guidelines and other documents. Uh, you may not agree with everything and it may not all apply to your particular sector or type of, type of implementations you're working on, but at least it give you some baselines to have the conversations, understand what you're talking about in, in a common way, and perhaps start to take a few steps toward uh, an ethical and secure uh, AI system that it seems like everybody company, every company has now AI in their, in their system. So, um, yeah, I guess my point is don't just listen to this and go, oh, that was, that was interesting. Uh, I'm going to go off and build my MVP product. Take, take this in as an MVP 
call to action as well and, and fold that in. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that, uh, I want to thank Matthew and Kevin for uh, joining us for this conversation and to Keenan, of course, who is on uh, to help kick it into gear. And she contributed a lot to this piece. All the other contributors for the article, which we'll uh, include in the show notes. And uh, we invite everybody to stay tuned to the other society here on ITSP Magazine for more conversations like this and uh, many other topics of categories. So thanks again, everybody. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Other Society. If you learned something new and this discussion made you think, then share ITSPMagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.